so excited to be with all of you today. I brought along my favorite book that actually has my alma mater written on it, and it has the uh, barcode from the library. This is the most expensive book that I own. I checked this out my freshman year of college. I got to my first class and realized that I had missed a book that was required on the syllabus, but I was completely out of money. And so I ran to the library after class and there was one more book left on the shelf. And then after I read the book, I couldn't find the book. And then the week of graduation, I got a notice saying, I owed the library $140 or else I would not be walking at graduation. And so I made sure that I found $140. And eventually after that, I found the book. So this is the most expensive book that I own. And it's actually the book that I reference the most, mostly so I can get my money worth out of it, I think. But this is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And he was a psychologist that talks about how our greatest pursuit as humans is a search for meaning. That that's what all of us, regardless of where we're born, where we're from, we are in pursuit of meaning. We desire to find meaning in our lives. And this theory is actually in competition with um, one of his uh, contemporaries who thought that actually humans were after pleasure. But he said, we only go after pleasure to avoid the pain that we feel when we don't experience meaning in our lives. And so I, I think about this a lot, about our pursuit of meaning and what brings meaning to each of our lives. And I recently was reading another book that talked about how we have a thorn in our arm. So imagine that somehow you get a thorn in your arm and it hurts. But you notice that it hurts whenever you touch it. And so you decide to avoid touching it. It would cause too much pain to just pull out the thorn. And so you do whatever you can to avoid accidentally touching it. And so imagine that you like to go hiking in the woods. So you have to clear out the path before you even go out so that you don't accidentally brush up against something. And then imagine that you're laying in bed and you roll over and realize that you could accidentally hit this thorn in your arm. And so you go to all kinds of lengths to find some kind of sling that you could create to keep your arm so that you don't accidentally roll over it. Or then you, protect, you create some kind of protective sleeve, something like a shield to go over it. You decide that you're going to make something permanent to go over your arm so that you don't accidentally hurt it. And you might imagine I'm not just talking about like a physical thorn in our arm, but we have all kinds of wounds all kinds of pain, all kinds of things that we carry in us, that we then build up all of these layers of protection so that no one can come close to touching that spot because it would hurt too much. We then build our lives around the avoidance of dealing with these pains, these wounds, these mistakes, and these sins that we have, we have created in our lives. And so we actually are unable to get close to other people to be intimate and connect with others because of all of these shields, all of these devices that we have created to protect ourselves from someone coming into contact with our wound. And so I want to talk a little bit about the pain of those wounds 
before we talk about the way that we can actually heal from those wounds. In our efforts to avoid the pain, to deal with the pain that we've experienced in our lives, we continue to find tons of creative ways to not have to deal with our pain, to deal with our wounds. We avoid feeling pain at all costs. We find ways to numb it and ignore it and bury it. We do it by keeping ourselves so busy, by joining everything that we possibly can, by going out, by spending time with our friends and never being alone so that we don't have the space to actually think through and process and work through the things that have caused us pain. We fill our schedules. We end up with all of these coping mechanisms just trying to avoid having to deal with the pain. And actually, when we are in this pursuit of avoiding dealing with these things, we move further and further away from God along the way. One of my favorite verses is John 1.14. It tells us that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. I really like what Eugene Peterson did with this in the message. He says, the word became flesh and blood and moved in to the neighborhood. I remember learning that this word dwell actually means to pitch a tent. So God came to earth to pitch a tent, to live among us, to move into our neighborhoods, to live with us. And the last few years, I've actually come to take this a step further and to realize that it means that God came to pitch a tent within me, to come and dwell and live in me. In our resistance to bring our need and our pain and our weakness before God, we actually end up moving ourselves out of the neighborhood. As we move in this direction of trying to find all of these ways to make sure that no one can come into contact with our pain and our wounds, we end up moving out of the neighborhood. We move further and further away from God. We move ourselves in a direction that is in complete opposition to the direction that God has for us. We move further away from our home in God, and we move further and further away from our true identity as image bearers and move ourselves further and further away from actually embodying Christ on this earth. We think that avoiding our pain or our grief or our feelings will make us feel better, but it actually just makes us suffer more. It causes us more pain and more suffering, and it ends up just making us bitter and angry in the process because we don't want to face whatever it is that we have to deal with to work through that pain. And so as I think about this, as I think about the ways that I do this, about the ways that I bury and numb and try and avoid the pain in my life, I can't help but wonder why is it that I do this? Why, why do we go to such great lengths to avoid dealing with these things? Is it because that we realize just how far away from God we have moved? Is it because we feel similarly to the Israelites in the wilderness and the slavery, this restricted life that we've created to protect ourselves feels better than freedom that God has in store for us? Or do you think it's because we feel 
like our pain is too trivial, that it's too small in comparison to the pain of the world. Or maybe it feels too big. It feels like what we have done, the mistakes that we have made, the things that we've done are too much, are too big, are, are things that we just can't bring before God. Or maybe we're too ashamed of the things we've done. But I want to look at Hebrews chapter 4 today to see what it tells us to do in these moments. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, the author writes, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we have. Yet, he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The circumstances that you have faced, the things that have happened to you that seemed outside of your control, the cards that you were dealt that you couldn't help, the pain that you have experienced because of all of these things, Jesus also faced those things. God in flesh and blood on this earth experienced the things that you have experienced. You are not alone in what you have gone through, in what you have dealt with. Circumstances usually are outside of our control. Now, of course, there are things that we have created that happen to us, but there are a lot of things that happen that we cannot control. There are so many things that come our way and happen to us. But we do get to choose how we respond in each one of those situations, whether we choose to work through them and remain at home with God in the process, or if we decide to pitch our tent outside of town and continue to move further and further away in order to protect ourselves. We make up all kinds of stories about the reason that these things have happened to us. We associate feelings with them, and then we start to draw meaning to what has happened in our lives, which reminds me of the beginning of Ecclesiastes where the author cries out, meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Because God is the only thing that can bring meaning to our lives. God is the only thing that can bring meaning to our pain and our experience and the situations that we have lived through. As long as we're living in a tent outside of the neighborhood, as long as we're not living in, in direct relationship in the neighborhood with God, at home with God, we will always feel like we're lacking, missing, searching for something. We will always feel like our life is void of meaning. The text tells us that Jesus experienced circumstances outside of his control, and yet Jesus was able to respond to every situation without sin, without wandering away, without moving out, without avoiding the pain that came his way. Without sin, he dealt with everything that he experienced. He dealt with being born to a woman who was not married and the, this, the talk that that would create. He was born into poverty in an oppressed class 
And the text tells us um, that the mission that Jesus came and was on was in direct opposition to every one around him. The religious leaders and political rulers teamed up to have him killed. He was betrayed by his friend, abandoned by the people who he was closest with, and yet he responded to every one of these situations without sin. But I think the most amazing part of all of this is that while he was without sin, he was able to go through each one of these things without sin. He can empathize with us in our weakness. He empathizes with us, not judging us or condemning us, but he has empathy for our weakness. He was tempted in every way that we have been tempted, and yet he can empathize with our experience. And he meets us in our pain and wants us to bring our needs before him. The text says, so let us, let us then approach, which can also be translated as draw near. Let us draw near. Let us come close. Let us come before God. The, the throne of God where grace and mercy come to us when we come for help in our time of need. The Greek word here is parousia, which actually can be translated as boldness. Let us, be, let us come boldly or it could be translated as free. Let us come freely to the throne of God. Let us come open and frank and unreserved before God. Let us not come with excuses or justification for why we've done what we've done or, or why we've uh, responded to the, our pain and our experience in this way. Let us not bring our sin and our pain and our need before God with uh, stories of why we have responded like this. But let us come before God. Let us bring our weakness to God boldly, open, free, and frank about how we have responded to what has happened. The problem with keeping it from God, with not bringing it before God, is one of two things. If we continue to avoid dealing with our pain, if we continue to think that we can deal with all of these circumstances on our own, if we continue to pitch our tent outside of town, we move further and further away from God. And when we do that, our pain ends up doing one of two things to us. The first thing that happens is we become a victim. We take that pain and we, we turn it in on ourselves. We begin to uh, make ourselves... Uh, it becomes like a woe is me story. And I'm not talking about um, when we are the victim of abuse, but I'm talking about when we make ourselves the victim, when we take our pain and we turn it in on ourselves. The natural place for us to go with our pain is to become a victim, to become bitter and angry about our circumstances and what has happened to us. When we feel sorry for ourselves for a little too long, when we allow ourselves to get to a place where we are hopeless and helpless, we become a victim. When we become hopeless and helpless, we become a victim. When we lose sight of God's big picture, 
the redemptive picture, the way that God wants to come into our lives and restore and bring meaning to our pain and transform our pain, we become a victim when we fail to take our need before the throne of God. And it doesn't take us very long when we've been living in this victim place before we start to think that everyone else should feel helpless and hopeless as well. And so then we become a villain and we transmit our pain out to the people around us. If we don't bring our need and our pain and our suffering, our sin, all of it before God, if we don't come with our weakness, then we become a villain to the people around us. We don't usually see ourselves as a villain, but as soon as we start to rob others of hope, as soon as we start to bring them into our helplessness, when we become angry and cynical and critical of everything around us, we become a villain in the world. We start to see others living what seems to be more free because they haven't created all of these contraptions around their pain. When we see people who are moving about their lives, making choices out of joy and peace and all of the good things of life, we can feel bitter and cynical about what they have experienced because we do not feel hope in our lives. Or sometimes we become a villain when we see others have experienced the same circumstances and we make assumptions about how much easier it seems to have gone for them, that somehow they were able to move through this more freely, more openly, more peaceful. Sometimes we see someone who has different success than us, who has easily come to achieve or succeed, and we think that somehow we've gotten the wrong lot, and they got something that we should have. All of these circumstances can lead us to becoming the villain in the world. We don't see the way that our criticism and cynicism hurts the people around us. We don't see the way that our hopelessness begins to rob others of their ability to dream. We miss the way that our helplessness lays blame and responsibility on others that is not theirs to bear. And so if we avoid our pain, we move away from the meaning that God has for our life, and we end up becoming a victim or a villain. But really, what we're supposed to become, what God's, God's dream for us is, is to become a hero, to become a person who embodies Christ in this world, who shines God's light into the darkest places, a person that can transform the world because they themselves have been transformed, a person who is actively participating in God's mission to bring his kingdom to earth. That's where the meaning in our lives will come from. When we bring all of our weakness boldly before God, he can transform it so that we can be a hero that brings his mission to the earth. When we decide that we're tired of the thorn and spending all of our time trying to protect our wounds and, and isolating ourselves from the connection with others to protect ourselves, when we're ready to be at home in God, to embody Christ in the world, we are able to do great things for God's mission. When we draw near to the throne, uh, we do this through prayer. 
And I love, I've got a quote from Richard Foster. Uh, He says, to pray is to change. Because if you pray, you will not be the same in the end. When you pray, you draw near to God. You draw near to, to the grace and the mercy that God has for you. And in the process, you align yourselves with God. You align your heart with God you begin to seek the direction that God has for your life. So to pray is to change. That is great grace, he says. How good of God to provide a path whereby our lives can be taken over by love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Prayer is the way that we draw near to God. Prayer is the way that we draw near to the throne of grace to receive mercy and to find grace. It's where we align ourselves to God. It's where we attach ourselves to Christ. It's where we say, okay, I am empty. I hand it all over. I give you my pain, my weakness, so that it can be transformed, so that meaning can come from all of it. When we acknowledge our weakness, when we hand it all over to God, when we let go of ourself and our identity, when we finally die to ourself so that Christ can rise in us, God can do great things with our lives. God does not give us what we deserve, and God does not punish us for what we lay down before him. When we stop running and avoiding and numbing and hiding from all of the things that cause us pain, God can transform it and bring meaning to our lives. Frankel found this to be true in this book that I have to reference again to get my money's worth. He says that we must have a redemptive perspective on life's challenges. That's the way that we will find meaning, to believe in God's redemptive work in the world, to believe that God wants to restore us, to have hope in the kingdom that God is building. We must believe that when something difficult happens to us, that there is meaning that will come from it. It is only when we come before God with our weakness, our emptiness, that God can fill us with grace, with Christ, with joy and peace and patience and the fruit of the Spirit. Those are the fruits that we bear when we boldly come to the throne. When we go before God and say, here it is, instead of turning our pain in on ourselves or transmitting it out onto others, today may we bring our pain, our weakness, our sin, our very selves before God so that it can be transformed. And only then will we experience meaning in our lives. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the ways that you bring forgiveness to each and every one of us. That you offer us a new chance, a new day. that as we lay all of this down before you, you'll begin to transform it 
and use it for your glory and your work in the world. God, we thank you for the gifts of mercy and grace that we have received and ask that as we go about the rest of our day and our week that we would remember your call to be a hero in the world, to be light, to be bearers of your image in all the places we go. We pray all of this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.